Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Katie Craigle, the VP of Global Corporate Marketing at Mitel, chats with us about how data is the key to better marketing when keeping up with competition, especially in today's market. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent. Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. It is so good to be talking to you right now. It's summertime. Enjoy the summer. By the time this comes out, maybe the summer's almost over, but still enjoy it. It's so good. It's so fun this summer. Then we get into September, back to school, and the chaos happens, at least for me with two children, but that's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, just pause for one second just to talk about who Starista is. That's it. We don't take advertising in the podcast. We just talk about ourselves for a few seconds. We are a marketing technology company. We help companies with our B2B data and our B2C data that we have utilize that data to access it and to get new customers through email marketing, through our own DSP, which focuses on displaying connected TV. Email me. Vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave all of you my email address. And boy, are you using it, as I say on the podcast. Is it always for the purpose I want it to be? No, not not at all. It's just random. Sometimes it's to tell me how much you enjoy the show. Sometimes you're trying to sell me. It's okay, but I just, I gave you the email address. The other thing I'm extremely happy about, as I always say, ladies and gentlemen, because a few things are coming up. What is it? Fantasy football season, right? And I always love battling this next guest. He's not a guest. He's our co-host, ladies and gentlemen. And he's coming to visit us here again in New York City. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. It's been a pretty crazy summer. And uh, actually, this morning... I went to my daughter's uh, open house for kindergarten. So summer is coming to an end, even though the Texas weather would tell you otherwise, but she is uh, starting kindergarten tomorrow. So it's like, uh, my uh, baby is going out of the house now. I know, that's a, you're empty nesters. No, you have a long way to go, <laughs> but that's amazing. I know uh, you definitely start now here in New York City school starts like september 7th at least the public right. schools where my son goes he's in first grade but yeah texas is already back that's uh that's yeah crazy. our school district is particularly starting early but i think they get extra breaks like fall break and such that other texas schools don't but uh yeah it feel, feels a little early but uh definitely have to uh, mentally prepare for it from tomorrow yeah. Well, that's amazing, though. Kindergarten's a big step. I remember when uh, my oldest started kindergarten just, you know, last September, it was a big step. So that's awesome. It's like, that's when the pod, you know, it's like it's September. It's it's almost September. It's back. It feels great. You'll be here for the yep. U.S. Open. We're having a cool little event. 
can't say that really on the podcast. I don't want people hitting me up and trying to come to this event. Only very, very small amount of people get to come. I'm sorry, people. We have a lot of listeners. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so you'll be here. I, I am I am still holding out for like getting a wild card or something. So maybe one extra spot will open up in the suite. So Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Email us, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a part of the, well, okay, you can still email <laughs> us. I can't promise that you'll be part of the suite, but I'm going to love it. This is great. It's a big event that happens in New York City. All the best tennis players are here in Queens, actually, in Queens, New York, where that goes down. But it'll be good to see you. The last time you were here, what a fun time. What a great time. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. well, one of the things we did is we're like, hey, me and AJ are going to be at a happy hour on Stone Street. And people were like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Word travels fast. So maybe we'll do one again, but a little bit earlier this time that uh, people like when you're in town. People like when you're here. Let's not uh, forget a shout out to Chinese Tuxedo, that wonderful Chinese restaurant you took me to. Chinese Tuxedo, it's amazing. I can't believe we got in. I wish I, we would have said something about them before we went there. Maybe we would have got a little bit off the meal, but maybe, uh, but we sure didn't. But it is, uh, it's glad, I was glad that you were here and glad that you'll be back here. But here, I'm just glad today. Let's call this episode Vincent's Glad because why we have an amazing guest, an amazing guest. She's fun. I already talked to her already. Of course I did. And she is fun from a company called Mitel. Well, do you know Mitel? Well, you, you, you soon will. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vice President, Global Corporate Marketing, Katie Craigle. What's going on, Katie? And I'm so glad to be here. So thanks so much for the invite. Now, Katie, we'll talk about some of it later, but going back to school, parenthood. Ah. I know you could relate to a, to a lot of that. And, uh, you know, probably tis the season for you, right? I know you, you know, your kiddos really into soccer. So yep. uh, is that all year round or that's like September, like, like how it normally yeah, is? So it kicks off really in the August season. Um, mm -hmm. My kids are already back. They started on their teams this week and, uh, now they're full on into, you know, multiple practices a day, multiple or multiple practices a week, I should say, uh, games, tournaments, it's, it's full on. Um, but you know, as a kid, you're always like, oh, yay, summer. And then as a parent, you're like, oh my God, summer. So <laughs> I am very glad that my kids are about to go back to school. I've got one who's going into middle school this year wow. um, and a third grader. So they're, uh, heading out and doing bigger, better things. And I will be glad to have the quiet at the house too. So yeah, I know there's those certain things where as a parent, I remember like when I was a single guy and it was like daylight savings time. Oh yeah. And it's like, you get an extra hour at the bar. And then now you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, sleeping is gonna be off. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why do we do this? What's wrong with the world? But anyway, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I That's just remember- <laughs> shift that you can't keep up with it, but it, it hits you every time, so. Exactly. I remember you. Uh, I remember you telling me about the uh, the family and soccer there. But Katie, let's get into Mitel, right? For all yeah. those amazing listeners that we have here in the marketing stir, tell the listeners about Mitel and then your role yeah. within the organization. Sure. So Mitel is, a, in simple terms, a business communications company. So we offer phone systems and collaboration clients, contact center software, video conferencing 
audio conferencing, all the kind of things that businesses need to stay connected internally and with their stakeholders. So at the end of the day, we think about it as like, especially in this world of post-pandemic, well, you know, the, the work from home situation that we're in now, um, for many, many people, it's really what's helping businesses and organizations around the the, the globe stay connected um, and and do what they do best. So we want to make sure that communications are such a central part of it and that that experience is really easy for them. Um, I uh, lead our corporate marketing team, which for you know marketers out there is really kind of all those traditional Marcom type functions. So I cover everything from our PR and social media teams to our content marketing, to our corporate communications and creative services. So it's all that see and what you see and what you hear um, from my tell out there in the world kind of falls under my purview. But um, my experience in marketing has been pretty broad. And this is really the the sweet spot that I am most passionate about. Uh, well, that that's awesome. And a question that we ask all of our guests, Katie, is because it's never the same answer. How did you get into marketing? So I always kind of wanted to do the whole marketing thing. I majored in advertising in, in college. Um, so kind of knew that's like a path that I wanted to take. Uh, where I really stumbled into was tech. Um, and so I had an internship um, when I was in college. And it was one of those things where you had to kind of like scrap for internships uh, in the mid 2000s. Job markets weren't great. Um, and uh, got a, a gig working at a tech startup um, and doing marketing for them. And that kind of evolved into ongoing startups, um, acquisitions, all sorts of stuff and, you know, follow the path and now I'm here. So sort of intentional, sort of not intentional. <laughs> That's great, Katie. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of people that are not from that marketing path. So it's good to see you always knew what you were gonna yeah. do. Yeah, it was that or be a doctor. <laughs> so quite <laughs> quite wildly different things. And uh, I think I landed in a good place. So. Yeah. so Katie, tell us a little bit about what are some of the channels and strategies that you are using today for marketing and what's working very effectively? Sure. Um, so like many marketers nowadays, especially when you're in the B2B space, you you have to use multiple approaches. Um, Mytel sells really heavily through a reseller channel. Um, so a lot of our activities are indirect in terms of enabling our, our partners um, to with the campaigns, the events, the data packs, the reporting, kind of the different kinds of tech insights and tools to be able to sell on MyTel's behalf. Um, and we spend a lot of time and effort dedicated to that, but that's not the sole thing out there. Our partners have their own brands. It's important that they understand um, MyTel's messages and that the customers that they're selling into are also going to see us out in the space. So we do a fair amount of um, analyst relations, press and social media um, activities. Uh, we're really also looking at um, different kinds of account-based marketing nowadays that are tapping into the kind of like um, intent-based buying that we may see from either prospects who we've engaged with or even people within our own customer base who may be looking to 
um, add-on technologies or switch to different kinds of technologies that we offer. So we really try to, what's working I would say is the mix. So not just one thing in, a, especially in a complex technology sale is gonna do it. Um, what we're trying to always do is find all of the different kinds of touch points, um, whether that's you know the partner directly, an article that somebody might have written about Mitel that we earned from a media perspective, or a retargeting ad that we leveraged as part of that kind of intent-based buying execution. We're really trying to think about how do we continuously stay in front of those people um, to make sure that Mitel is staying top of mind um, because we know that it isn't linear. The, the buying cycle for complex tech sales just isn't linear. It's it's all over the place. So if we're not there in all of those places, we're missing the mark. Thanks. Uh, sounds like ABM is an important part of uh, your strategy. Mm -hmm. How important, being kind of a data company ourselves, how important is data in driving those marketing decisions for you? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, and I would say that data has become one of those things, especially in today's market, that if you aren't looking at it as a marketer, you are, you're not going to be able to keep up with the competition. Um, we have done a lot, I would say over the last handful of years at Mitel to really double down on our database decision-making. Um, I had an old CMO who, who talked about it as like, you can do good marketing or you can do random acts of marketing. And the data is really what allows us to do better marketing as an organization. Um, and I can give a couple quick examples. So we've, as a company, really been focused on how do we target the right verticals? Um, when you sell something like business communications, anybody can be a client, right? Businesses of all sizes need phones or chat solutions, um, video solutions, Businesses of all industries can need that. So how do we prioritize the limited resources that you know every company is kind of dealing with to make sure we're putting our efforts into the right places? And as marketers, you know, budgets aren't endless. People are, you know, aren't endless in terms of the people on our staff. And so how do we make sure that we're really being smart about the choices that we're making and bringing the best value back to the business? And we've been leveraging this kind of triangulation of, of market data, plus Mitel's win rates in different verticals and Mitel's what we're calling visibility, kind of how many at-bats are we getting within individual spaces to try to really zone in on where we have the highest potential and where we need to put our efforts. So if we're winning a lot, but we're not getting to the table very often, that's an area where we need to boost awareness, drive additional ABM, target into like, let's just say healthcare for an example, more healthcare providers. How do we then tailor those messages along the way to make sure that the data is really working through our execution tactics? And so we're looking at it both the macro level and then also on a more campaign-based level in terms of things like multi-touch attribution tracking. So like I was talking about that kind of like lack of linearity that we see in the buying cycle for B2B, 
in that kind of tangled web of, of spaghetti, it's hard to assign uh, the value of an ROI to just one touch point, right? So how do we make sure that we know what those content pieces are doing? Are they, are people even reading them, right? That's one thing to look at, but are they helping move things down the path faster? Are they helping our sales teams as a reference point? Can we assign more touches to a certain piece of content rather than another piece of content so that as we make more decisions, we can do more of what's working and set aside the kinds of pieces that aren't. Because it's a lot of it is like trial and error, as I'm sure you guys really you know, know. You stumble upon something, even such as this podcast, right? That all of a sudden it kind of takes off. And how do you keep, how do you keep doing more of of what's working. So we are really using data in different ways now than I have seen over the course of my career. And personally, I think it's exciting. It makes it, it makes it something where you're, you're going away from just the gut and into things that are actually really meaningful contributions to the business. And, you know, Katie, you mentioned ABM, you mentioned the, you know, use of intent Mm -hmm. Is that some of the, you know, experimental marketing that you're going to start doing? Are there other areas of experimental marketing a little bit away from your foundation that you're going to start doing yeah. there at Mitel? Good question. Um, one of the things that our teams are right now really kind of exploring, and I'm sure a lot of people are in the market, is how we leverage AI to really help um, in a couple different ways, um, primarily in terms of how do we get more content out there that's more tailored to the audiences that we're going after. Um, it's not just a, you know, stick it through the funnel and then hope it comes back and make sure that it's good because there's, you know, as we're seeing from the AI perspective, there's search ramifications for it. There's um, alignment to whether or not it's including your competitors in, in the messaging. There's lots of different things that you got to look out for. Um, but we're seeing it help us really kind of get some of that foundation going faster so that we can accelerate the content that we're bringing to market. And we're also seeing it add a lot of value for us on the translation side. So as a, as a global business, um, we don't have um, huge teams in every single country that we operate, but our customers speak those languages, want tailored regional content. So we're leveraging AI in ways to help us bring more content to more audiences without necessarily having to staff up at the same levels that we would have in the past. Um, so that's an area that we're really kind of exploring and trying to see where does that help us move the needle in terms of driving more customers to our website, making driving longer engagement on our site, those kinds of activities. Hmm. That makes complete sense. And Katie, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, the B2B space, B2B marketing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Strista does, you know, a variety of B2B, B2C, but me in particular, B2B. So I wanted to ask you, what drew you to a role in B2B? And what do you like about it? Sure. And how is it different than B2C? Um, that is such a good question. You know, you stumble, I stumbled into it. I'll say in terms of being drawn, drawn or not drawn, I stumbled into B2B, um, but I've stuck with it, I think, because it's the complexity. It's it's always like 
multiple layers of challenge to solve and new things to learn about um, that I find just so fascinating. It's it's never boring, right? And marketing in general, people who go into marketing are the people who don't like to be bored. They're always kind of like moving and trying the next thing. Um, but B2B especially, you have all sorts of different kinds of organizations that you have to balance that level of similarity across them with the nuance of the different stakeholders within the business or even the different types of businesses in different industries. So there's all these levels and layers that you can keep peeling back like an onion and keep improving your marketing skills. And I think probably the thing, you know, you asked a little bit about how it's different and how it's similar from B2C. And I think the other interesting thing for me about B2B marketing is that there's still a B2C component. Even though you're selling to a business or you're marketing to a business, you're still talking to a person, right? And that person is a consumer of other things. Their personal experiences are shaping how they expect to engage with your company, how they expect their experience to be, how easy it is, the level of service that they're getting. And so you have to think about both them as an individual and the business environment around them and how those things, you know, pair up. So I think, you know, it goes back to just like that level of problem solving and complexity. It's just constantly interesting to me. Hey, one of the, uh, I mean, yes, customer loyalty is important both in B2B and B2C, but in B2B in particular, especially in your uh, vertical, there's a heavy reliance on customer loyalty. So what do you do from a marketing uh, perspective to make sure your customers are retained? Sure. And you're, you're spot on. I mean, the, the way that the world has come around nowadays, customers are changing, they have an easier way to change providers than at any time ever in the past. Um, now, when in our sales cycle, um, a lot of systems are not a quick turn, quick buy, right? So we have the challenge of making sure that we're staying relevant to that customer throughout a longer contract cycle. And we work really extensively kind of in two ways, just like I was talking about at the beginning with our channel partners to make sure that they're enabled with the latest add-ons, information, um, ways to optimize the solutions uh, that the customers have to make sure that they're continuing those kind of like personal touch conversations. That's really the value that a lot of them are bringing to those relationships is a deep knowledge of the business of that particular customer. And so if we're enabling them effectively, they're able to take that out on our behalf. On our behalf. Similarly, um, we are we have a this kind of like philosophy around customer lifecycle management and the fact that customers need to be touched um, from both the vendor and the partner throughout the course of their life cycle so that they're hopefully choosing to move forward with us as their needs change. It could be an acquisition. It could be growth. It could be um, something that might change their communications needs, a pandemic perhaps, <laughs> um, where we want to make sure that the experience they're having with Mitel is simple and easy. So 
it's built into, you know, how we manage our product communications and different kinds of bulletins and outreach that we do to customers, um, customer success teams that we have, um, and then the nurturing process that we work on from the marketing side to help make sure we're touching customers um, with the like latest tips and tricks along the way, um, whether that's from our blog or success stories that other customers are sharing to be able to kind of bring those, you know, values to life in terms of what they could be doing with their communications to kind of take them further along that cycle. So we want to make sure that it's really both educational and value adding rather than just like selling into their face. We want to make sure that we're enabling their business to communicate better rather than just buying more stuff from us. Katie, one of the things uh, about your career that's remarkable is the number of acquisitions that <laughs> have happened across your career. Yes. And we actually did two of our own. So this one is kind of close to uh, what we've been doing too. But what advice do you have for uh, people that are going through acquisitions? That is a, a great question. And, and Mytel's actually in the process of uh hopefully acquiring, should everything go well, hopefully acquiring another company at the moment. Um, so I'm I'm deep in the throes of acquisition mentality at, right now. Uh, I would say two things. Um, one, be patient. Uh, acquisitions are hard. They take time. They are complicated. And there's always a couple dominoes that come from every change that's made. And so I would say, you know, if you're a part of, if somebody's a part of what's going on, be patient with it. It it will short itself out. Um, the more important thing I think though is to stay open-minded. Um, I feel like, you know, change is naturally hard. It's hard for humans. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. The levels of uncertainty that come along with acquisitions are are not a place that most people are familiar with, or if they are familiar with it, they have maybe some past uh, experiences that have been difficult, right? But what I have seen is that staying open-minded about the opportunities that can present themselves, the different things that you'll learn, even through the acquisition process that can help you in your career later, um, are really valuable uh, and can really help you a lot professionally. I will say that I would not be probably in the position I am today if it weren't for keeping an open mind about the acquisition process. My philosophy was always like, well, let me see what happens. And if it isn't, you know, if I get into that a new role and that's not serving me anymore, then it's time to move on. But let me give it a chance. Um, let me see what I could bring to this organization or what the organization could do for me. Um, and that has really helped me on the trajectory of my business and broadened my network massively, um, as well as brought me a lot of new skills that I, I would not have had otherwise. So I think it can be a really valuable professional growth opportunity if people let it. That is great advice. And, you know, as you hear and see so many companies kind of doing that, acquiring companies and merging together. As AJ mentioned, our, our own company being having acquired a few companies recently. So very good advice. Katie, we talked 
a little bit about the pandemic. And of course, we, you know, we try not to bring it up too much because we try to put <laughs> that in the, in the past, but we, we mentioned it. Talk to us how the needs of Mitel's customers were impacted, if anything, and how you kind of had to, had to shift during that time. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, Mitel is, was, <laughs> communications became a super central part um, and the communications technology was, I don't know, part and parcel to really the pandemic experience, I'll say, um, with so many organizations having to just switch overnight to working from home, we, the demand for the solutions that we offer increased dramatically and so did the competition. Um, there were a lot of providers that were dabbling in the space, let's say, that blew up overnight. So as a marketer, you had to think about both the balance of, hey, this is awesome. People want what we have. And a lot of other people are offering it too. So how do you differentiate yourself? How do you focus on getting the word out about what you're offering while really not trying to take advantage of the situation as well. Um, we had customers, uh, you know, who are hospitals who had to transition to parking lot based facilities to be able to manage the volume of patients that they were getting. And what Mitel really focused on was how do we make sure that those customers are taken care of? How do we make sure that the doctors or nurses um, who are in those parking lot facilities that aren't really facilities that don't have a phone on the wall, how can we make sure that they're able to communicate with the right people within the organization to support the patients that they have and, and in many cases like save lives, right? Um, we had a lot of, you know, retail centers who were immediately shifting to online. How do they manage from a standpoint of having service people in a facility to dealing with a contact center type situation where they're going to have online based support or phone based support that maybe they weren't prepared for schools, <laughs> emergency notification messages and being able to make sure that parents and stakeholders were engaged, that students could do virtual learning. So there's so many different ways that communications changed almost overnight for organizations of all kinds. And I mean, Mitel's focus during that period was really first and foremost, serving the customers. They had immediate needs that couldn't wait. Um, their stakeholders were impacted dramatically. And then it was really a matter of like, okay, how do we take those stories and lessons and apply them back into our product offerings to continue to make them easier? How do we tailor our positioning to the learnings that we gained through that experience where the problems that businesses had at that point in time were wildly different than what they had had before. That's a complete shift in your marketing message. Um, and it's still shifting, right? Because some businesses are going back, other businesses are not. Some are going to probably be permanently in a hybrid model. And the priorities and ways that you need to talk to businesses have changed dramatically as a result of the pandemic. So it's a really interesting, it's been a really interesting experience to go through, um, not only personally from a pandemic perspective, but really professionally as well. Well, yeah, I mean, if you know, you touched on a few industries there that were 
really impacted and really had to pivot quickly. I mean, you talked mm-hmm. about healthcare. I live in Manhattan. No healthcare area was more impacted, I think, than right? 8 million people, the epicenter here in Manhattan and having hospitals have to, you know, just pivot and, and react in different ways. And, and so let's stay on that kind of that topic there. You know, yeah. in, your, in your experience, Katie, you worked for different companies. You have also worked with a variety of different industries. How has that helped you? What, what have you learned kind of working with several different industries, not only as a customer, but as a, an employee as well? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I've worked, uh, I've always been in tech, um, or at least for a really long time, but the different kinds of tech, I've I've been in financial services, I've been in mortgage, I've been in consulting, I've been in moving, um, even moving has technology. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the, some of it goes back to why I like business to business, like you're always learning kind of something new. Um, and different, different industries have these like different nuances to them that you have to really pay a lot of attention to as a marketer, but probably the thing I've learned is the most is, is really about asking the right questions up front. Um, I think it's, you know, any marketing to any kind of industry or communicating to any kind of stakeholder, it's really easy to kind of assume that, you know, what you are getting into. Um, but where I see a lot of times teams stumble is going straight to tactics and really just thinking about like, okay, we think we know this. So we're going to, we're going to hit them with some emails and then we're going to do a webinar. And then we're going to like throw some ads out there. And it's like, those might be the right things, but are we clear on what our call to action is? Are we clear on what they're thinking right now? Are we clear on why we're doing this in the first place and why should they care? Right. So I, I, I think about it a lot in that context of like, go fast to go or go slow to go fast, right? If you pause, you ask the right questions up front, then regardless of what industry you're talking to, you can really get into the right solutioning by thinking about it up front. Um, and that's become really important, especially as, you know, you're seeing things like environment, macro environments shift and the things that you thought you knew no longer apply. Um, and even in the context of just like thinking about my team and you know the work that they're doing, how much it's going to contribute to morale if they have to do the work over or if the work isn't successful. And so I'm always encouraging people on my team to kind of like, don't be afraid to raise your hand. Don't be afraid to ask those questions upfront because a lot of times they aren't being asked. And there may change the problem you're solving entirely if you dig a little bit more up front um, and then have a better understanding of what that baseline looks like. It sounds so basic, um, but you know it makes a huge difference. And it's something that I, I've seen in countless industries, people just kind of skip over that step. So that's probably what I've learned the most. Awesome. Katie, one of our staple questions here has to do around LinkedIn. I'm sure yeah. with your title and your all the places you have worked, you get a lot of unsolicited messages. So <laughs> would love to know what's one that actually gets a response from you and what's one that really annoys you. Um, so I, I have a good example of one that came in not that long ago um, where 
I could, the, the person, the rep used the uh, subject line of her email was a, a direct phrase from my LinkedIn bio. And it was something that like I recognized immediately as my own words that she had put in, which made me, I'll be honest, I didn't really engage with the email just because of all of the other things going on um, or with the LinkedIn requests, because I think I got both, um, but I noticed it. I, I read it um, and it made me pay attention because I could tell that she had put in the effort. She actually knew what I did. She actually knew my role um, and she had done her research. And so for me, that automatically in that like quick moment tells me that this is somebody who, if I was interested in this solution, would actually be giving me the kind of service that I want as a buyer. Um, on the flip side, I'll say what annoys me is when people clearly haven't done their research. And usually it's like, you know, they're, I talked to your boss and they told me to connect with you. And I've seen it where it's like, okay, A, you're going over my head. Don't. And B, you don't even have the right boss's name. <laughs> like you actually didn't do your research. So no, I don't think, you know, I don't think you talk to my boss at all because that's not my boss. And I don't think that you're probably going to be the kind of vendor that I want to work with, or at least the kind of rep I want to work with. So my, my takeaway is do your homework, people who are out there soliciting. And as marketers, you know, that's what we want to, we want to be able to foster too in, in the teams that we support. You know, I, I was in a sales seminar a few years ago and one of the techniques they teach is uh using a common name like a John and saying, John told me to reach out to you. So that way you can make <laughs> your own guesses on who John might be. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, my boss's name is Venkat. So <laughs> that is uh, probably a common name thrown out there. But um, yeah, so I don't know. You know, I get why, right? But yeah. to me, it says like, kind of a, a lack of a lack of respect for the person you're trying to engage with. Right, right. So, so Katie, we like to, as we we're wrapping this up, get to know a little bit of your personal side as well. So besides you're clearly very passionate about marketing, but mm -hmm. what else do you like to do in your free time? Any hobbies? Sure. So uh, Vincent talked to this a little bit at the beginning. I don't have a lot of free time at the moment um, because my kids are super involved in sports. So I, you know, I do the whole soccer mom gig. Um, but when I'm not working or not hanging out at, at soccer fields, um, I'm kind of a fitness junkie. I love my, my Peloton spin classes and yoga classes. Um, I love to garden. Uh, you don't get a ton of gardening in time here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin but I try to take advantage of what I can. Uh, and I, I recently moved, so I'm doing a ton of home improvement projects right now. Um, so that takes up a lot of time, but yeah, I like to, I'm, I'm, I like to stay active. <laughs> so when nice. I get a chance, I like to catch some live music too. So. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, having being a new homeowner, uh, myself for the first time, I, yeah, the home improvement projects, I'm just like, here, you know, never ending. I'm looking at Pinterest. I'm like, I've never looked at Pinterest <laughs> before. I'm like, this is, I was like, oh, this is amazing. 
That's a, an amazing. Like, but I really like that rug. Yeah, I was like, that's an amazing. Yeah, I was like, uh, and they don't call them couches; it's sofas. I learned that. <laughs> we had a guest on, uh, and I was like, oh, so furniture business, couch. He's like, it's sofa. Couch is a four-letter word. Anyway, but you know what's funny, AJ? You mentioned that use a common name like John or or Jim. In like 15 years, those aren't common names anymore. It's going to be like, hey, I, I Camden told me to reach out to you. You know, my son's name is Hudson Hayden. It's like uh, okay. that's going to be that's going to be the names, right? John, I haven't seen a John uh, in, in uh, the person named John in like seven years. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, but that is good. Those are great examples there. So. Katie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story uh, about Mitel. Check out Mitel, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Katie. You better get her boss's name right. <laughs> <laughs> Katie is the VP Global Corporate Marketing at Mitel. Katie Craigle, thank you so much. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.